0: Kia ora and welcome to Tea with the High Commission. I'm Iona Thomas, British High Commissioner to New Zealand. Welcome to our podcast. In this podcast we explore the connections between the UK and New Zealand through conversation with some very interesting Brits and New Zealanders. I invite you to join in the conversation by leaving comments and questions. This podcast was recorded in August 2022 when the Home Office Permanent Secretary visited New Zealand. In the King's New Year's Honours 2023, he was appointed Knight Commander of St. Michael and St. George for his services to British diplomacy, development and domestic policy. Here's my conversation with Sir Matthew Rycroft. Good afternoon. I'm really thrilled that I'm joined today by Matthew Rycroft, who's the Permanent Secretary at the UK Home Office. He was appointed in March 2020, and was previously the Permanent Secretary at the Department for International Development and had a career in the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. He was the UK's ambassador to Bosnia and Herzegovina, and from April 2015 to January 2018, he was the British Permanent Representative to the United Nations. And Matthew and I actually worked together uh, during his role there when I was our spokesperson. So it's great to be reunited here in Wellington as he visits in his role as Permanent Secretary. Before we start our conversation about your role, Matthew, it's called Tea with the High Commission. I'm sitting here with a cup of Earl Grey, which is my favourite kind of tea. How do you take your tea?
1: Well, it's really great to be here, I know. I like English breakfast with just a tiny bit of milk and no sugar.
0: Ah, excellent. Uh, A different style, but a good tea choice. Uh, So, really a chance for us to talk about your role Mm -hmm. and why you're here in New Zealand. So, can you describe for listeners in New Zealand what your role at the Home Office is, and also what the Home Office does.
1: Yeah. So uh, first thing to say is that a permanent secretary is, I think, the equivalent of a secretary in the New Zealand uh, system. So I'm the senior civil servant in the Home Office. Every government department, including the Home Office, has a political head, uh, the Secretary of State, or the Home Secretary, in the case of the Home Office, and a civil service head, the permanent secretary, and that's what I am. And as you say, I started in March... 2020. In fact, I started on the very same day that the UK went into lockdown for COVID. So that was um, quite a challenging start to my time in the Home Office. There's three big things that the Home Office does. Migration and the border is the first. Homeland security is the second. And policing and crime is the third.
0: Excellent, thank you. And although the department's called the Home Office, it obviously has some quite international-facing work, and that's why you're visiting and travelling to different countries. So where have you visited on this trip and why? And are there any consistent themes you've noticed across your travels?
1: So absolutely, the... The job of uh, the migration and border side of the department, of course, is totally dependent on international issues. The migration wouldn't wouldn't couldn't happen without an international perspective. And similarly, actually, on homeland security, we're thinking about threats to our homeland, threats to our country, and you know most of those, a lot of those, come from overseas. So we've got to be working with our partners around the world, including here in New Zealand, um, to build up resilience um, to those threats. The trip uh, began in Vietnam for me, uh, and then I went to three different cities in Australia Canberra, Sydney, and Brisbane. And now here I am in New Zealand. And then next stop is going to be Fiji, and then back home to the UK. Uh, and certainly in the first three places, migration has probably been um, the uh, overarching issue. We've been talking uh, in in uh, Vietnam, Australia, and New Zealand, about uh, about migration, about how we can work together to facilitate legal migration. That means making it as easy as possible for people who are entitled to travel between our countries to do so, but also to deter or prevent people who are not entitled to do that uh, from from making um, quite often dangerous journeys to to travel irregularly and without without the proper legal basis. So that's um, that's the big um, set of discussions that we've been having so far.
0: And have you noticed there are any particular issues that have come up in all those countries about the problems they're facing, how they're tackling these issues, how they're seeing the world at the moment?
1: Migration is increasing. There are more people on the move around the world. The uh, the, the, the one aspect of that is a really positive. You know, as, as countries get richer, more people want to travel to uh, and are able to travel to to, to find better lives for themselves but another part of migration is uh, is essentially negative or disruptive it's when people are forced uh, to flee a conflict or, or something like that and of course with climate change you know our projections are that there'll be more of this sort of migration in the future so the world needs I think probably better and more up-to-date systems to deal with that sort of Um, challenge of people moving and certainly in the UK uh, we seem to be a very popular country of people who want to come in either legally or illegally. Since the UK left the European Union we've set up a new points-based immigration system very much like New Zealand and Australia have got Um, and that allows people to come from different countries if they've got the the right skills, the right background or job that requires them to come to the UK Uh, and that's uh, a really Uh, welcome part of a modern society and bringing in those uh, skills that we need in our workforce, helping to enrich uh, our society with people coming from from New Zealand or wherever.
0: Great. In the introduction, I talked about the different roles you've had across government, uh, as well as in the diplomatic service. Looking at your career, can you think of any particular highlights?
1: Lots of highlights. Yes, I remember being an ambassador for the first time. This is your fir- this is your first time. As bachelor, exactly, wasn't it, this here? is my first time. So it's, it's time. an yeah. amazing experience, isn't it? it? Is, you know, when yeah. you re- represent your country at that top level for the first time. So I did that in Bosnia, mm-hmm. Bosnia Herzegovina, and um, actually I did a, something a little bit like this: tea with a British ambassador. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a lot of very fond memories of that of that time in my career. I think it's quite challenging when you you know when you're really the boss for the first time. There's no one uh, else that you can blame. You really have to take you know, full responsibility for what's happening. and You feel really connected, I think, both with your own country and with the country that you're in, and mm-hmm. responsibility for for you know, using that relationship to, to, to drive outcomes. So I absolutely loved that period of, of my life and career. And then the other highlight was when we were working together in New York. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, being British ambassador to the UN, that's, that's such a privileged position. Mm-hmm. I think the UK walks really tall in, in the UN, permanent member of the Security Council, a big player on international development as well. Um, and in in our time there, you know, one of the really big issues was about standing up to Russian aggression, mm-hmm. thinking about what was happening in Syria. And um, thanks to some brilliant speeches, uh, we uh, tried to really uh, increase the price that Russia had to pay for, for supporting uh, Assad and the regime in Syria. And that was, uh, well, ultimately unsuccessful, actually, because mm-hmm. Let's face it, the situation in Syria, carried on getting really bad, didn't it? But, uh, but I was very proud of the efforts of of the UK team there to, to highlight the atrocities and to put that on the uh, on, onto the onto the global agenda.
0: I remember my time at the UN as well as being a real sort of highlight from my career about being at the heart of where we're trying to solve global problems together. So we talked earlier a little bit about diplomacy, you need to be willing to compromise, and sometimes that can be tough, but actually that's what we're working towards. Do you have any views on how you get that sort of balance right in compromise and how you work together to find a positive solution?
1: So in the UN, there are all 193 countries in the world represented. That means every single country has an ambassador there, and there is something that you can find in common with each and every one of those people. Mm. Sometimes it needs to be outside work. You know, you um, you know, go jogging together, as I did, or, or, or you get to know someone socially outside work. And I think that can help, you know, bring people together so that when there is a difficult negotiation or when you're trying to find that sweet spot that both countries agree to, you've got some sort of connection to get started. And I do remember in in New York even, oh we talked already about Russia and often Mm -hmm. being on the opposite side of issues with Russia. Even with Russia there were still issues that we were on the same side. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or even if we disagreed, we might both be able to agree on some aspect of of, of an issue, for instance, to allow humanitarian aid to come into Syria or or, or other crises. So even when things are really desperately bad between two countries, there is usually, if you really work at it, there is a a point somewhere that both countries, possibly for different reasons, can coalesce around. And in a way, that is what diplomacy is. It's finding that spot and, and really... Being inquisitive enough and curious enough to keep on digging until you can find it. Mm-hmm.
0: We talked about uh, sort of our time in New York, and when we were both there, New Zealand was on the UN Security Council. What are your memories of working together with New Zealand?
1: Well, we worked really closely with New Zealand, and. Achieved a lot. I think if I was um, a representative of the New Zealand government, then I'd be very proud of, of what a you know, frankly, a, a quite small country, but with global aspirations, is able to achieve. And, and it thought it was a really um, fantastic two years. It was a difficult two years. There was a lot going on. A lot of the time, the Security Council was stuck because of problems not with New Zealand, but between the the permanent members, uh, not just Russia, but China was you know uh, using and abusing its veto on some issues. And you know there were there were issues in relation to the US and the Europeans as well so it was a difficult time for the Security Council to make progress but we did on some issues we one of the best things we did was to choose the new UN Secretary General Mm -hmm. Antonio Guterres was appointed at that time and that was um, you know that was thanks in no small part to the the diplomacy of the um, members on the council including New Zealand So I think New Zealand played a really fantastic role on on a whole range of issues, some of which were, you know, thousands of miles from home, you know, issues like the Middle East peace process where um, New Zealand diplomacy was instrumental in in, um, seeking to make progress on on Israel-Palestine.
0: And then looking outside work, uh, so you're here in New Zealand. I think you're spending a few days here uh, after our programme work finishes. Have you been to New Zealand before?
1: No, it's my first ever visit, but I'm absolutely delighted to be here and in addition to the work which has been fascinating really looking forward uh, to spending a couple of days with my uncle and aunt and cousins uh, who live here in Wellington and who I've only ever seen on short visits uh, short their short visits to the UK and elsewhere. So, it's really
0: fantastic to hear that you've got family here In the time that I've been here I've really noticed that there are huge people to people links between our two countries with lots of uh, Kiwis going over to the UK and lots of Brits coming over here um, so you're experiencing firsthand those people to people links.
1: And that's actually part of the Home Office isn't it and, and I used to think when I did diplomacy I used to think that the Home Office issues were pr- always part of the problem, they were always the <laughs> things that were getting in the way that were making life difficult for embassies and ambassadors and high commissioners but actually now in the Home Office I realise that so much of the relationship between New Zealand and the UK and and indeed other countries is based on those people to people links and so making sure that we've got the right set up to encourage people to do that particularly early on in their lives so I mean I think this this um working holiday scheme the uh you know the youth mobility scheme that we've got between new zealand and the uk absolutely fantastic for both countries mm-hmm. and we've uh, expanded that recently and i think the new zealand prime minister was a um was a beneficiary of of that earlier in her life and it's, it's brilliant that more and more people are going to be able to do that
0: that's right so pm ardern spent time in the uk and she often talks about how important that was to helping her sort of understand and think about uh Bureaucracy, civil service, politicians, how we sort of work together on some of these really tough issues. Uh, and you're right that it's often young people who are going between our two countries. It was my husband who came backpacking in New Zealand in his 20s, uh, who was the real one who suggested that I apply for this job. And I'm incredibly pleased that he did. <laughs> and I hadn't been to New Zealand before, so I'm really looking forward to discovering the country, and um, perhaps not as a backpacker, <laughs> um, but finding some lovely Do hotels. Do it in style now. <laughs> Absolutely. And... Thinking about your meetings here, you've had a busy two-day of meetings with a whole range of different um, government departments, with ministers, with officials. What are some of your takeaways from those meetings?
1: Well, the overarching sense is one of uh, being on the same page as each other, absolutely like-minded. It, even if we disagree, <coughs> it's, it's normally a disagreement about the tactics or you know something relatively short-term, but we're, we're we're absolutely aligned on the big picture, our interests and our values, the things that we're trying to achieve in the world. And um, I, I, I just think we need to make sure we don't take it for granted. And, you know, it must sometimes be the case that um, in a country like the UK, we think, oh, yeah, well, New Zealand will always support us on this, that or the other, and maybe maybe, maybe that flies the other way around as well. And that's dangerous. You know, that's, that's what can lead a bilateral relationship to drift and wither and and I'm absolutely determined and I I think the whole of the UK system is determined that that shouldn't happen and that we should breathe new life into it the whole time And, and we have a really big opportunity to do that now and I'm delighted to be playing a small part in it.
0: And it's great to hear you say that so coming all the way from London obviously shows that commitment. And that's uh, something that the team and I here at the High Commission, our team in Auckland, can carry on doing is making sure that we're having those conversations on foreign policy but also on the whole range of domestic issues where we can actually share experience and expertise.
1: It must have been incredibly difficult for our colleagues who were here during the various COVID lockdowns mm-hmm. when travel was not possible to yeah. keep keep that alive. Obviously, we could do things by, by Zoom and team and so on, and, and, and we did, and I, mm-hmm. I did with my New Zealand opposite number and others. But it absolutely isn't the same as, as being in a room and having the time to go through things in you know, in more depth and more detail face-to-face. So I'm really glad that the COVID restrictions in the UK have uh, have have eased. And that means that we are able to have that more normal, human, physical, you know, person-to-person interaction again.
0: Absolutely. And we're really pleased the borders in New Zealand have opened, which means that we can have these visits. And in fact, we've got a whole series of visits uh, from our Secretary of State for Trade. Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office Minister Amanda Milling uh, and also the COP President Alok Sharma. We've talked a lot about uh, the opportunity for young Kiwis to go over to the UK and take advantage of the Working Holiday Scheme. What advice would you give to young people headed to the UK?
1: Go. You know, make the most of that scheme. It's it's an it's an even bigger and broader uh, scheme than it than it ever has been before, and we encourage people to make the most of that opportunity. So I would encourage people to to do it do it relatively early in your career once you've finished your studies and you're sort of wondering what to do next and definitely go to london i mean most most flights i guess from here would come into london anyway and that is for those who haven't been that is such a vibrant multicultural buzzy city with something for everyone Um, but i would also really encourage people to get out of london and you know we have four nations in the uk it's not just england it's scotland wales and northern ireland so going to Edinburgh or Belfast or Cardiff going to the coast, probably um, sport for choice in New Zealand but we have wonderful coastline as well uh, in the UK, whatever you're into I think you will find some aspects of, of that in uh, in the UK, whether it's music, if it's sport, if it's art all that, all that stuff is good uh, if you're a bit earlier in your life and you haven't been to university yet then you know we have some fantastic uh, universities as well not just the old famous ones but some of the newer ones as well which are really cutting edge in some subjects so do a bit of Uh, do a bit of investigation and research before you come and then just enjoy it.
0: Just finally, uh, I know you've got three daughters. Uh, They might be thinking about their own sort of gap years or overseas experiences. Would you recommend that they come to New Zealand?
1: Oh, totally. And I don't think they need much encouragement from me, Um, but yeah, they're they're all, um, I think, open to... Uh, international issues they've all been um, all three of them have been in schools and in different countries depending on where where we were living at the at the time of their schooling and um, I will be well, I've already started reporting back on how wonderful it is here so uh, I don't think i need any encouragement.